You are listening to the Quarter Transmissions Episode 31. And now, here are Craig and Jeff. everybody and welcome back to the tricorder transmissions we are your host jeff hewlett and craig cohen and today we are going to be answering a uh, age-old star trek question and one that i actually ask people all the time and that is who mourns for adonis craig <laughs> do you mourn for adonis uh every day all right well that's good another another check in the yes column so far in in my entire lifetime i think i have more yeses than no's on that uh, some people kind of tilt their head when i ask but uh, so I actually was really interested in what this title meant, you know, years ago. Because I, I kind of wondered when I was younger when I saw this. So, what it actually means is who mourns for the gods, mm-hmm. so or who mourns for gods. So I, I didn't know what the word. I thought it was a character. I was wondered why the the guy in the episode was Apollo, but it, the title mentioned Adonis. I'm like, wait a minute, was that a mess up? It shouldn't it be who mourns for Apollo, but no. So it's actually about multiple gods. So. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm sure most of you people out there knew that, but I just wanted to share my my fascination with that. So a couple newsworthy items to talk about here, Craig. Cool. Um, well, it looks like uh, William Shatner quit Twitter. I, I saw that. I saw that today. Um, is it official? Yeah, it was official for maybe a day, and then he, okay, he yeah, went back saw, on it. Yeah, I saw his comeback tweet, so I must have missed his the one where he quit. Um, uh, yeah. So, so what led to that? What happened? Well, it, it seems like he fell victim to what a lot of celebrities on the internet fall victim to. And, you know, that is, you know, the poor behavior of the general populace online, you know, that the, the veil of anonymity kind of emboldens people, it seems. And yeah, keyboard cowboys. Yeah. They get rude and snotty and say nasty things. And I think generally, I mean, we, a guy Shatner's age, I mean, he, what what does he need to deal with stuff like that for? He's got enough on his plate, you know. I guess he just got tired of it, and then, you know, thought the better of it later when he realized that you know it's Twitter's actually a pretty good way for celebrities to connect with their fan bases. I think it's probably one of the better mediums that has come along in in many many years for celebrities who want to. Who actually want to use it to 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 get their word out and then talk back and forth to fans and uh, I was sad that w- when I heard he he had quit and then I was kind of happy to see that he came back. Yeah, and and it's also cool that he's actually sending out his own tweets because you know there are certain celebrity accounts yeah. where it's just you know a publicist or somebody uh, you know generating tweets to promote things and whatnot. So yeah, I mean. I've seen Shatner be very, very active on on Twitter, and and it was clear that he was tweeting for himself, which is really cool. And and I love, I, I mean, I love Twitter. Um, it's like you said, the the fact that you can interact with people you admire uh, really quickly, even if they don't, you know, reply back or whatever. You know, uh, you know, in you know, twenty, thirty years ago, ten years ago, you had to write a fan letter. 
now if you're moved by something, you jump on Twitter, you send them a quick tweet saying how much, you know, whatever they did meant to you, your feelings on it. And you know, there's a, a pretty good chance that they read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, which is really, really neat. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I missed the drama that unfolded that led up to it. Uh, but I'm glad that William Shatner is back on Twitter. And yeah. And we're on Twitter as well. Yes, yes, we are, and in several different ways. So the the show itself has a Twitter account, which is at uh, ttt underscore pod. But Craig and I both have our individual Twitter accounts, which we never really plug on the show. Uh, mine is at j underscore benj. That's j underscore b e n j. That's my personal one. And I don't know if you want to rattle off your personal one on air. Sure, Craig. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Mister Mr. Uh, Craig Cohen, and that's all one word. And um, I'm pretty active on that, and I know the 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 tricorder transmissions one is you know it's fairly active, but um, I me and Jeff I think we're we're pretty uh, active Twitterers, so um, I follow back as well. So <laughs> yeah, I typically do too, unless you're a spam bot, then I won't follow you back. But yeah, you know I I, I think I generally check Twitter you know ten fifteen times a day, you know. On, on average i don't know you maybe i don't know about you i do have push notifications for mentions and things so whenever yep. those come through i'm always checking but uh I, i've kind of become intertwined with twitter a lot through the last couple of years i've been on it so uh, it, it's a great medium and, and it's great to talk back and forth to people who listen to the show on yeah. twitter and some of our guests uh have also have twitter accounts so we'll talk back and forth to them as well you know the goran captain himself is on yes. twitter the horda is on twitter yeah. Uh, so lots of lots of uh, good and that's how characters. we initially got in contact with April A. Bear. Yeah. Um, her first of many appearances on this show. Yeah, that, absolutely. Can't uh, can't discount that. That was a, a huge find <laughs> on Twitter. So looks like uh, our latest Captain Kirk got busted for DUI. Oh, no. Chris Pine. Yeah. Oh, man. Chris Pine. What are you doing? So uh. Chris Pine was in New Zealand filming his latest movie and uh, looks like he uh, got popped for DUI after uh, having a few too many at a party. And uh, strangely, he's not the only uh, Star Trek captain to get popped for DUI. It's a quiz question, Craig. Do you know who the other Star Trek captain was? Avery Brooks. Oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> that was It was Avery Brooks. Uh, I was just uh, throwing a dart at the wall, but uh, if if I had a bet, I would have I would have put my money down on Avery Brooks. Yeah, Avery Brooks was popped in 2012, so not that long ago. Yeah, not well, if, you know, I, and I base that solely on the fact that in that William Shatner documentary, The Captain, <laughs> he's completely um, out of his mind. Yeah, he, he that, but he made that really fun to watch because he you know he just kind of when he starts singing. Oh, it's incredible! It's it's fantastic. Yeah, no, and and if people haven't watched that, oh, I'm you sure got to we'll watch talk it. about it at some point um, on this show when we get far enough in the future for that. But yeah, the captains is really really good, and I think there's a, like an extended version of it now that they broke each captain down into individual episodes. Wow! So I guess that they're extended interviews, and basically Shatner sits down and he interviews everybody um, who was a captain on the uh, you know on Star Trek. That's awesome. Um, with the exception of like Pike, but you know you've got Picard, well, you you've got but... Janeway, you've got Cisco. Yeah, and you've got uh, Archer, Bacula, and yeah, you Archer. even got Pine. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's it's definitely cool. I'm gonna have to look for the extended one. I only saw the the uh, initial release. Yeah, I haven't watched them yet, but I saw that they they 
that they they popped up. I think they aired on TV, and then I, I think I saw them on Netflix uh, last time I looked. Oh, all right. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to check that out and uh, report back. Now, that's a bummer, though, man. I hate seeing uh, celebrities who uh, who get behind the wheel when they could hire a driver. Yeah, really. Exactly. It's not like he's some schmo who can't get home any other way. Yeah. But not that I'm defending D- DUI. Oh, I, not yeah, not at all. I never, I never do that. I've been known to, to tip a glass or two, but uh, would never ever get behind the wheel so uh you know bad on you uh chris pine for doing that i I hope you uh, learn a lesson i'm glad nobody got hurt yeah yeah so oh uh mr ortiz has issued his final set of original series posters and this one should be very near and dear to you craig because amongst the final four is your beloved shore leave oh cool yeah i'll have to to look for that it's got the little rabbit head on it Mm mm-hmm Looks pretty cool. Uh, also, you've got uh, my one of my uh, favorites, uh, Turnabout Intruder, which okay. we won't get to for a long time. That's a body swapping one, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And uh, Metamorphosis and uh, uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before. Okay, cool. So that's the final four for Mr. Ortiz. Yeah, I, I hope they eventually break those out because I know they were, you know, like like you just said, they're putting them out in, in sets or uh you know uh you know bundle together so i i hope there's a point where you can go out and you can individually pick up some because as much as i would love to hang all of them up i just don't have the wall space for yeah, it yeah i i don't either and you know to 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 buy them all in a hangable form would be prohibitively expensive i would love to at some point have all of them and do a, an entire wall with them but yeah unfortunately I, I don't think i could justify spending that much money on them yeah, unless you did it like, you know, you said every once a month I'm going to buy a poster and, you know, get a, you know, I mean, frames aren't, you, I mean, you can get yeah a pretty decent frame for, you know, for not a lot of money. So uh, if you went on like a monthly thing and then it would take you, <laughs> what, uh, over five years. Oh, yeah. that Well, that then you have to wonder if they're still going to be for sale yeah. at that point. So Yeah, at that point, by the end, you're going on eBay and paying three times the price. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it, that might not pan out. Yeah. But, uh, oh, that's cool, though. I, I do hope to eventually have a, a couple of those up on my wall because uh, I do have a little bit of wall space left here to, to hang stuff up. Oh. So, yeah, I know I've been over there and you, you've been kind of wall space is a premium in your yeah. place at this point. There's There's a lot of stuff. And I know you just bought a bunch of new prints. Yeah, they're framed and they're up and they look great. Nice. I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing them next time I, I swing by. Yeah. And uh, the final thing, and I, I know we don't talk about merchandise very much, but um, something that I pre-ordered a long, long time ago now, it seems like many, many months ago, it was, was back in the end of 2013, uh, when I was doing my Christmas shopping, I saw that there was going to be a uh, really small, uh, almost like a Hallmark ornament-sized uh, Starship Enterprise, classic Enterprise that lit up for about 11 bucks on nice. Amazon. And I ordered it back then, and it was one of those things where it said, you know, coming soon, you know, no specific date. And I was like, yeah, you know, this thing may never actually show up. But fortunately, Amazon doesn't actually charge you until they ship something. Yeah. And I got a note the other day that it shipped, and it arrived today. And I have to say, it is actually very, very cool. It's well done. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And the saucer section and the and the um, the connecting piece between uh, the body of the ship and the saucer have have little holes in it. And when you flip the on switch, there's a little lead light inside that lights up, and uh, it it looks really cool. Oh, nice! You should actually, um, in addition to the link, uh, you should shoot a 
yeah, take, take a, a picture, picture of, of it, it and put it up on the Twitter and uh, on the Facebook page. Yeah, and it, it comes with a little stand that looks like the um, the symbol, the original series Star Trek symbol on their shirts, and it's a little oh. pedestal. Oh, nice. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, very good. It's probably going to make its way to my desk at work, I think. Okay. So yeah. I, I don't have an Enterprise there, so it's probably going to make its way there. But Yeah, I actually have a Kirk, um, you know, uh, figure that um has the base is sort of like the starfleet insignia nice yeah it's pretty neat uh it's, he, that's the one i have where he's in the the admiral uniform oh all it's right like full dress uniform yeah very cool yeah. yeah yeah that's cool uh i like uh that sounds great i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to check that out yeah it's pretty neat so i'll um i'll definitely get a link to that on amazon in in the show notes so everybody can check that out so ready to uh get into the episode here you have anything else you want to talk about no, I've got my tissues ready to uh, mourn for for Adonis. All right. Well, let's let's not waste any more time. So, uh, the original mourning for Adonis began on September twenty second of nineteen sixty seven, and we were again offered the chance to further mourn uh, on January twelfth of two thousand eight when the remastered version was released. All right. Quick. Uh, that's cool. And real quick, the the high level. Uh, synopsis, if you will, the Enterprise is captured by an alien claiming to be Apollo, the Greek god of the sun. Mm-mm. So also, strangely enough, the, there there are some notes that he's also the Greek god of music as well. So I guess he did double duty. Ah, hey. So whatever floats your boat, sun and music. Yeah. But all right, you ready to get into this one? Oh, yes. All right. So let's start our scene specific commentary in three, two, one. All right. Uh, the all familiar. There it is again. Flying through space. Yes, yes. And we start off with a nondescript blue shirt chick <laughs> yes. who actually will play a little bit into this episode or a lot into this episode. Yeah. And Scotty but, hanging out on the bridge again. Yeah. He, you know, it's it's good to see him there. It's, he's like, this episode, <laughs> one thing about this episode that uh, always amuses me is Scotty's extreme level of interest in this girl like oh i you I never know. see scotty like this and for some reason like he just can't let this i don't it's so weird he's like obsessed with her yeah it's it's funny because i was watching this and i said to myself they they obviously had a character that needed to hurt hit certain beats in the script to make it work yep yep and for whatever reason they sort of dropped scotty into that role where i almost wondered while i was watching it if they could have had a random red shirt do that role and have it have as much weight, which I think is is probably the problem they had. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And you know, you notice how concerned McCoy is with <laughs> yeah. this. Like he just doesn't want Scotty. He's like he he's already thinking Scotty has no shot with this chick. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, I don't like this. You know, she she you know he he thinks she's the right woman, but I don't I don't think she thinks he's the right man. Come on, dude. Give Scotty a chance. (laughs) And there we go. We've got Sulu back. Yeah, and and, uh, Chekhov's wig is looking um, pretty good. I'll tell you, on um, Blu-ray, there are certain shots where his wig looks a little uh, revealing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Cat's Paw is probably the worst offender with the wig, so we'll get there soon, but... We got a really Earth-like um, planet there mm-hmm. in front of us, which I thought was was interesting. Uh, you know, if they hadn't said anything, I would have just assumed that they were in front of Earth. Yeah. It, it, well, is that just because of the remaster, I wonder? You know Uh-oh. what? I, I didn't compare. 
It, what what is that thing? Oh my is, god! It's, oh, it's, it's a big one of my favorite moments hands. in Star Trek history. Really, the big green hand. <laughs> the image of the big green hand in space is just so so great. And it's funny. Uh, over Thanksgiving, uh, me and my family, uh, we always go up to the Poconos, and there are a ton of candle shops up there. And one of them actually lets you put your hand in wax, and you get to make a wax sculpture of your hand. So this past Thanksgiving, I was thinking of doing like the uh, live long and prosper sign. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I ultimately decided against it because I was worried in the summer, you know, it would melt. But watching this episode again, I said, you know what? Next Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. I am going to do the the hand grabbing the Enterprise <laughs> pose. And I'm getting that done in wax. Nice. You have to make sure it's green. And then you well, have yeah, to get an Enterprise model like, and oh, put it on it. Green, too. Uh, yeah, hey, Uhura so gets a line. Yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. And look, there's another there's another nondescript blue shirted girl in the back there. I didn't notice her before. Oh, and she fell. Yeah, I still think there are way too many people on the bridge. Yeah, and actually, there are a lot less people on the bridge right now than normal. Yeah, so it still uh, looks though like, uh, you know, like a social gathering of some kind. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I still think it's great that there's no uh, there's no seat restraints. <laughs> <laughs> so every time the ship hits a little turbulence, everyone goes flying. You know? Yeah, you know, and it's funny because, I mean, at the point this show came out, we were in our, what, the the early days of space travel. Right. I guess we hadn't gone to the moon yet. Nope. Um, but there were definitely, you know, strides being made. Uh, so you'd imagine that if, you know, you were looking into the technology of space travel in the late 60s, you know, if you look at the, you know, the guys that went up on the first mission to the moon, they were strapped in. Hell yeah, they were. <laughs> but I guess they uh, they pontificated here that, you know, they said, uh, you know, a couple hundred years in the future, um, they'll have worked things out where you wouldn't really need it unless you were in some kind of uh, battle scenario. And I guess really the, you know, Starfleet didn't really expect to see a lot of action that's how I sort of um, explain well, it away. They were really on a exploratory missions. Yeah, but you know that 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 aside. I mean, the ship can. What if you were in its flying through some kind of asteroid field and you had to do some evasive maneuvers? Wouldn't it make more sense to have the helmsman strapped to his seat so he doesn't fly out and then the ship goes all over the place because there's nobody flying it? Yeah, I mean, a just a little seat belt. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be a whole, you know, you know, 10 point harness, but I mean, it would just be a nice little lap belt or something. Yeah. Just to keep Sulu in the seat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, you know, the, how slow that hand came up on the ship. Wouldn't you, I don't know why you wouldn't just, just kick it in the warp and just fly right away. You know, it was kind of slow, kind of lingering up towards the ship lazily kind of, you know, the fingers <laughs> were, were kind of just like flexing around a little bit. And you know you had plenty of time to to kick in the warp drive, but I don't. Know, I guess the, the curiosity was, I was too much. I was going to say that curiosity gets the better of the Enterprise. Well, what crew, what but... did they think the intent of a giant hand in space would be? Are they going to is it going to come up and 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 extend its hand and, and want you to shake it? I mean, or is it, I would think it would probably want to slap the ship or something. You know? <laughs> what it gave the the the, the pimp hand to the Enterprise? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and so basically. Spock has come out and said that that's not a really that's not a real human hand. No, it's it's <laughs> energy. No, no living no living tissue. Yeah, it's just energy that has taken the form of a of a hand. Of a hand, a human hand, nonetheless. 
human hand, not not an alien hand. Yeah. You know, so that, that's an interesting thing to note. So whoever the owner of this or the or the creator of this energy hand is obviously knows the human form. Yeah, it could be an Orion. Um, oh, oh, yeah. It's green, hand. isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, in the original version, it was gray, the non remastered version. So uh, they changed the color a little bit. Ah, OK. Yeah. yeah. Th- this had a card in the uh, the tops trading card set, didn't it? I believe it did. Yeah. I okay. I, I didn't I didn't make that connection that uh it, it was a different color. Uh oh. And there's a disembodied head to go along with a disembodied hand. That's so great, man. I, I, I don't think I'll ever travel in space, but if I do, I would love to encounter uh, a disembodied head. An an apparition, a semi transparent disembodied floating head in space. You know, I actually that'd be a bucket list item for me. Right? I think. Yeah, I think it'd be a really cool thing. Goodness, I mean that thing has to be the size of, uh, you know, larger than our largest skyscraper, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because you got to think of miles, um, miles high. Well, the other ships that we've seen, you know, think of of Baylock's giant ship, you know, and and think of how small the Enterprise was and compared to Baylock's ship, but now you see a, a a human head that appears to be. You know, quite large in 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 respect, and the hand itself is large is la- as large as the Enterprise, and it, yeah. it's grabbing the whole saucer section. So, you know, it's pretty uh pretty large apparitions out there. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's got the he's got the gold leaf on his head, which is nice. The leaves are, are wrapping around his head there. So yeah. five thousand years. So he just said it's been five thousand years. He's waited for for people. Yeah, to come to him. That's an awful long time. Yeah, that's longer. That's isn't that longer than the uh, the Guardian waited? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, Kirk isn't putting up with this though. <laughs> Kirk, I, I, Kirk, never mind the history lesson. I love it. He, yeah. he, obviously, this thing, whatever this thing is, has the power enough to stop the ship, right? I mean, it can, it can, and now it's going to demonstrate that it can actually crush the ship. Yeah. And Kirk is just kind of like, yeah, get the hell out of here, man. Shut up. You know, I don't want to hear this crap. Yeah, you know, that's and that's a, a side of Kirk we've seen. We've seen a bunch. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things that makes him such a great captain. You yeah. Know, he's, yeah, he's he's willing to 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 take risks. Yeah. Oh, you know, now that this this thing is crushing the, the, the hull of the ship and everybody is suffering some sort of pressure problems. Except for Scotty. <laughs> He's the only one that doesn't even fade to be phased. Look, I mean, even Spock had to kind of look like, oh, my head. Yeah. And they're yeah. all suffering slightly differently, too. Like, uh, it, like almost like there wasn't a key direction as to how to how to react. Yeah, it's kind of like, hey, all right, uh, pretend <laughs> that you're feeling like your head's being squeezed. I can imagine that uh, Uhura's reaction was great. Yeah, She's well, like she screaming. let out a, a shriek. So. Yeah. The one with pointed ears. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He reminds him of Pan. Yeah, Apollo doesn't want them to bring Spock down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah. love it. Which is actually kind of a bummer because if I want to see anything, I want to see a godlike figure, um, you know, interacting with Spock on his home turf. Yeah. Well, in this in this episode, though, it's it's kind of advantageous that they left Spock behind because without him being left behind, they may not have gotten out of this scenario. Yeah. So they, they the brain power left on the ship is good. <laughs> so Kirk is uh Kirk's assuming that Spock was insulted. Yeah. 
that uh, but Spock's insults are only effective where emotion is present. So I guess he's kind of you know, shrugged it off. He doesn't really care that uh, Apollo doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So right. this episode was directed by Mark Daniels, mm-hmm. who we've we've seen before. He's directed a a, a bunch of um, episodes. Uh, he directed The Man Trap, The Naked Time, The Menagerie, Court Martial, Space Seed. And uh, we're going to see him actually next episode uh, directing The Changeling and uh, coming up this season, Mirror, Mirror, and The Doomsday Machine as oh, well. great episodes. Yeah, great so, episodes. you know, we've talked about him a yeah. lot on this uh, podcast so far, and we'll continue to bring up his name uh, every couple of episodes. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, whoever was whoever was responsible for having Chekhov and Scotty hold those tricorders improperly. <laughs> look, at, look at the way he's holding the tricorder. That, yeah, that's, that's not right. <laughs> you know what? Uh... Uh, Walter Koenig should have uh, consulted with Sulu. I mean, you know, you see, you see Spock using them, and you know, he's he's holding it straight up and down, and you know, fiddling with the knobs. And look at this, Chekhov's he's holding it upside down. <laughs> what? What? Well, where's the continuity? Yeah. Well, wow. we're gonna possibly have an opportunity to meet Walter Koenig uh, next month. Yeah. yeah um, I'm that is, to that. is that a question that you think you have the uh, the gumption you know, I to might ask, ask him? That. I might ask that. <laughs> You know what other question I have? What's that? If you're an all-powerful god who, who can create this whole area, wouldn't you create a more comfortable chair to sit in? Things like stone. Look at that chair. Yeah. There's not even a pad on that. It's what he's used to, though, I think. Oh, come on, though. I mean, you, you would want some sort of a luxurious chair to sit in. I mean, it'd be like a nice chaise lounge or something. You know, but, I, yeah. Can, I, can feed himself grapes. I think he's kind of stuck, uh, you know, in a, in a certain mindset, though. Maybe. Well, he had 5,000 years to think about it, you know. Yeah, but he wasn't sort of influenced by the, the way that furniture technology evolved. No, but he had 5,000 years hanging out by himself. <laughs> he could have figured something out in that time. You would have think he'd, do, he'd redo the interior here, make it a little more yeah. comfortable, but well, maybe not. Yeah, and that's actor uh, Michael Forrest, mm-hmm. and um, he's actually pretty active doing voiceover work for anime films. Oh, all right. Yeah. So if you're a big anime fan, there's a good chance you've you've heard uh, Michael Forrest's voice. And I was going to write down some of the names of those films, but I didn't want to have to even attempt to pronounce them. Yeah, I have trouble pr- pronouncing a lot of those anime <laughs> movie and, and show names but while we're on the subject mm-hmm. of uh, mr forrest i this episode is a uh, unique in in one way that other episodes are not this is the only trek episode that i know of that has a fan-made sequel okay. to it All yeah right. and uh there's a there's a show uh, that's being produced now in the um in the late uh in the early 2010, so 2012, 2013-ish area. Oh, by the way, Apollo just grew to a, a gigantic size. But yeah, uh, and, and they're they're producing this uh, series called Star Trek Continues, and uh, their first episode called the I think called the Pilgrim of Eternity, something like that, okay. uh, features uh, the return of Apollo. Oh, that's so the Enterprise re uh, encounters Apollo yet again, and uh, he is a bit older and. Uh, 
wreaks a little bit of havoc on the ship and uh, it's an interesting episode so i'll, I'll put the, the link to that in the show notes it's actually like 52 minutes long so it's an actual full-length episode and that's, that's uh, interesting because this episode has a pretty clearly defined ending uh, well so you think uh, well yeah oh so you think so uh you know, we'll get to it near the end. Uh, what exactly happens at the end, and how how it, it appears to be clear cut, but that we know, as with everything, uh, there are always ways to uh, bring people back to life, or oh yeah, uh, find them again, or clone them. Sure, you know, yeah, especially in Star Trek. And we just had a funny line from from uh, McCoy when Apollo disappeared uh, to coin a phrase: fascinating. Yes. <laughs> so Spock has has rubbed off on McCoy. Yeah, it's a, little little hints that their relationship is getting uh, closer and closer. They usually are at odds with each other, but uh, I think uh, underneath all that, they're uh, very close friends. So Apollo has vanished. Yes. And uh, they are discussing uh, their their play. This Chekhov holding the tricorder wrong again. What are you doing? And Scotty's doing it too. You should know better, Mr. Scott. Oh, man. I wonder who influenced who here. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering about that. Maybe I will ask Walter that when we see him. And you know what? It's funny. I mean, you had a, you know, you had director Mark Daniels who had done, uh, what, a half dozen episodes by this point. You think that would have been something that he caught? Yeah, you would think. I'm wondering, I'm wondering why. I, I don't think I've, I've seen any of the other episodes have them holding them that way. Yeah. Oh, and Apollo is now back again. Yeah. And uh, he's kind of waving them all in. He's like, they'll have a little communal meeting here. Yeah, and it, it was it, you had that moment where Kirk was questioning out loud if it really could truly be Apollo. Yep. And where are his nipples? That's what I want to know. <laughs> they they must have put some foundation over him or something because you really can't see him. Mm. Very very peculiar, but. Yeah, that is an interesting question, and we'll find out more about that as the episode goes on. Is this actually really the Greek god Apollo, or is this yet another alien with godlike powers uh, posing as uh, Apollo to to trick the Enterprise crew into staying there or put some kind of a fear in them? Yeah. By using some sort of historical reference that they would understand. Yeah. Do you think— that this is the well that Star Trek went to the most times. It seems like you know, yeah. like the 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 all powerful godlike figure. Yeah, the, the, there definitely have been quite a few. So I mean, we had a couple in season one, and uh, here we are again in season two with the all powerful. We'll, we'll see a couple more of these as time goes on. Yeah, we'll even have a what a, a movie sort of devoted to. Uh, yep. Uh, the search for. Uh, for God. <laughs> yeah, quote unquote God, yes. So I, it's, just, it's just interesting. It seemed like this must have been a a story. His nipple. Yeah, a, a story point that was either uh, easy to execute, you know, hey, let's put the crew up against <laughs> a uh, an all-powerful being, or something that Roddenberry and his team were just really, really fascinated by. Yeah, I guess. I, I love how all of the single shots of um, – of her are frosted. Yeah, every woman on on Star Trek sort of gets that that treatment. You know, it's yeah. like uh, like the the treatment Elizabeth Taylor used to get on those perfume commercials. Yeah, really. Uh oh, uh oh. Scotty is protesting. Yeah, Apollo is trying to take his woman, and oh, up oh, the phasers don't work. Of course, 
here we are again. And this this is something that I mentioned a bunch of times already is that, you know, one of the, the big plot devices that Star Trek always seems to use is whatever they're up against has a way to disable all of their great technology. Yeah. So uh, no transporting off the planet. Uh, no phasers don't work. No communicating. Yeah. So you have all of this great stuff and you, you want to have all of this great stuff. But all of that great stuff makes it really difficult to put them in tough situations unless you disable that great stuff. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yes. And of course, Apollo is going to be taking the woman that he wants. Yeah. Yeah. That is actress Leslie Parrish. Hmm. Who um, was in Little Abner in '59, and also had a well-known uh, role in the Manchurian Candidate, the original version in '62, and she was also on Ooh. the Logan's Run TV show from 1977. Wow, that that Scotty stunt double took yeah. a hell of a backhand there, and it won't be the the last time he no. takes a sick bump. Yeah, the, the the second one is even worse, and it's pretty cool how they pulled that off because it, it you don't really you can't really see uh, any of the the wiring or harnesses that they used to pull them across the set, but pretty cool stuff. And he changed, he gave her a new dress. Yeah, this sort of had like a Shirley feel to me. It, it certainly does. It's it's kind of a shame that they couldn't have done this on location because it's kind of an obvious set. Yeah, um, it it kind of works with the you know the the nature of the you know they're in a a godlike atmosphere so you'd think it would have a little bit of a, a you know a a look to it that isn't quite reality yeah suppose yeah i can see where you're going with that i mean it, you have to hand it to them though the, the the set itself does look i mean the 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 columns and the chairs i mean that looks pretty nice and they actually went so far as to have stagehands rack the trees back and forth, so it looked like there was some wind. Yeah, and we're gonna get some some really great, you know, wind and darkness uh, stuff going on later, which really, really impressed me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's that, that's towards the end there. Yeah, and here's Kirk giving Scotty an order that Scotty's gonna disobey later, mm -hmm. and Kirk's not gonna call him out on it. No, <laughs> he's basically telling Scotty, "Listen, um, you know, you don't have to defend her honor anymore. Um, you know, clear any of your your actions through me." Yeah, and you know, I guess he's is... really looking out so Scotty doesn't get himself killed. Yeah, I guess he figures the <laughs> I, the, the girl is expendable in a way, but you know, this is another plot device. That seems to get used on Star Trek a lot with female characters that they can be so easily swayed or, or convinced to, to turn on their uh, their shipmates. Right. I mean, you know, you had uh, you had uh, uh, what's her face in in uh, Space Seed. Space Seed. Yeah. You had, uh, you know, Nurse Chapel in What Are Little Girls Made Of had that decision to make. And, you know, it seems like they kind of write women into these situations a bit on this show and it it kind of bugs me a little bit but. yeah but in this case i think she sort of eventually gets where she needs to be in terms of she does you know having a, a strong character she does but you know I, I guess the thing that that kind of bugs me is that they they, they kind of seem to have these women always kind of fall for this male figure within you know five minutes of meeting him and they, they're like in this trance you know and they're they're they barely even know them and they're so quick to, to jump to their side and, and, you know, almost turn 
and betray their shipmates. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of a a little mirror uh, being held up for us to sort of see what, you know, the, the thoughts and feelings were about women and their role in society in the the late 60s i guess so of course everything we see on the show is a product of that time period yeah so you know as forward thinking as this show is there are some things that that do stand out as uh not quite as forward thinking you know and the way they they write some of the female parts so you know it kind of reminds me of, of that discussion we had with with april and why uh, Edith Keeler was so different than most Star Trek female uh, characters was yeah. that they actually wrote her to be that kind of an independent, uh, deep thinking uh, female who, uh, you know, is, is it is a bit different yeah. when you look at it, especially from, from what we're seeing now, you know, what we've seen in a couple of other episodes previously. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy's just working his mojo on her, you know? Yeah, well, we just had some, uh, I guess, stock footage, uh, a real on-location footage of a, a, you know, a small body of water intercut yep. with this uh, this set work. Yeah, so I guess they're, they're trying to make the illusion that this is an actual, you know, living, breathing planet. And isn't it strange that he's the only one on it? Yeah. You know, I... They, they they constantly do this in Star Trek and they have these these huge planets and they concentrate on one little area and there's like, you know, five people there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a gigantic place to go. There's I'm sure there's plenty of places to explore and but no, they kind of just hang out in one little tiny area. Yeah. And we're getting an awesome sort of speech from Apollo here. Yep. Where she asked him where the other gods are. And he explains that they weren't needed anymore. Yep. Um, it's a really, really great speech. Um, and uh, Forrest does an excellent, excellent job uh, delivering here. And Oh, yeah. Uh, especially at the end of the episode. Uh, this is one of the episodes that hits a pretty high emotional note at the end for me. Yeah, it's, it, he's, he definitely sells it, I think, that uh, he is who he's... And I like the fact that this is kind of holding you by the hand and leading you to to know it's not leaving any mystery that this is actually the apollo who was on earth and was the greek god and uh you know the people on earth and the greeks did worship him and the other gods yeah and it's kind of cool that we're getting this information that the rest of the crew is not getting right so so it's pretty neat and this sort of follows that whole you know, Hitchcock rule of, you know, suspense versus surprise where, you know, the idea that you, you can have the audience know something and it's still effective because they're going to wonder how the people in the, in the show or movie respond, you know, when they discover something. So uh, I always sort of look and judge a lot of TV shows and movies by that, where you don't need a, a surprise and suspense a lot of the times is, is much more uh, effective because, you know, that's, I think our nature as, as, as humans, you know, we like to watch people in scenarios where we know something that they don't. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah, I definitely agree. It, it's, that makes it fun. And we, this is episode illustrates that pretty well. And another thing that I like about this episode is, is that they, they're pretty much saying in no uncertain terms that, the gods that we had on earth were actually aliens. 
from another world. I mean, you hear a lot of people uh, that, you know, that talk about alien life and on earth here and, and pontificate about, uh, you know, gods and, and how, uh, you know, God, uh, aliens help build the pyramids and things like that. So Star Trek's pretty much concurring. Yeah. But it seems like they're doing it in a, in a way that isn't as sort of, um, dismissive. Oh no! Right, yeah, absolutely. you know they're they're saying that these are are beings that played, and you know, you know at the time, um, you know, obviously not in the Star Trek universe play a role anymore, but at the time this was filmed, um, they're they're they're, you know, they're showing a certain amount of reverence to the fact that there are people watching this that have certain a, a certain belief system probably, and they don't they don't bat that down, you know. It was yep. probably still very, very controversial uh, to some people. I'm sure, but I thought it was handled uh, in in a, in a in a in a respectful manner. Sure. Whereas some of those ancient alien type uh, <laughs> shows and people can, can tend to be a little uh, a little abrasive. Uh oh. Oh, and oh. there's a. Yes, yeah, Scott, that was a hell of a hit. That was really he, he flew backwards and slid across the stone ground. I mean, that was obviously that was his stunt double. But uh, it was done with a harness and a, a wire to, to violently jerk him back. Yeah, and he's lucky he didn't hit his head on that that big uh, stone structure. Yeah, it looked there. like that he almost a, did a, a broken neck or a broken back. Yeah. So uh, McCoy mentioned a few minutes ago. It's an important uh, important point here, and it also plays into the follow up sequel episode that Apollo seems to have some sort of an organ inside of his body that McCoy cannot identify. Yeah, and and. You know what? I I I don't recall ever getting a resolution for that. Uh no. Yeah. Uh y- y- well in the the sequel episode uh you you kind of get a little bit of a explanation or mm-hmm. uh but I want to ruin it. So if you want to Yeah. So here it's more just like a like a MacGuffin. Yeah, so they they are pontificating that uh, it it's it's what he uses or the way he's able to harness this energy to to channel through himself and and use these special powers. Yeah, and Chekhov just noticed that uh, before he disappeared, Apollo looked a little a little spent. Yeah, yeah. So this is yet another uh, Charlie X <laughs> type scenario. Yeah, th- I, 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 this is the only thing that really sort of bothers me about this episode is it seems to hit a lot of the same notes that they hit in Charlie X, especially mm-hmm. uh, a couple of minutes from now when they sort of take that, oh, let's overwhelm him approach. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. So, and yeah. I, I, it, I can't imagine that Roddenberry and Kuhn and Justman um, didn't realize that they were hitting the same beats that they had hit already. Yeah. I, I, I'm wondering, you know what the what the what the the justification in the writers' room was for for doing this over again. You know what when they they go you always hear about these episodes where they the original scripts are different than what actually gets uh, put to screen, and you you would think that with all the changes that they make, they'd at least try to tweak some of the some of the plots so that they don't repeat so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know this this episode, of course, is no different. There, there was an original script that was a little bit different, especially the ending to this episode was was quite a bit different, and I, I think it might have actually been better. Oh, the other way, interesting. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to it when when we get there. Yeah, it, you know, it it would be cool. Um, I know that 
the the folks that publish that uh, that book, uh, these are the voyages where they're doing a behind the scenes look at each season of the show. They're giving away, and and by the time we 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 hit air, uh, the contest will will have ended. But they're giving away an uh, assigned uh, script for the episode, The Naked Time. Mm. And I know uh, when we did our City on the Edge of Forever episode uh, supplemental, I talked about some of the script differences, and Harlan Ellison had had published his script. But I think there's a probably a market out there for, you know, even even if it's in like a PDF version of some kind, mm. where, you know, you get an episode uh, script, and you maybe get an introduction from the writer if they're still alive. Or uh, you know somebody involved in the production, mm-hmm. and I I would really you know enjoy going through a lot of these episodes and and taking a look at the uh, the original script or even the script that they that they shot from. Yeah, that yeah definitely I agree that would be very awesome. And sometime maybe someday we'll get that chance. We just kind of missed a a pretty I, I think a pretty significant moment uh, in Trek history here, something that that we haven't really seen before that that I think adds a little bit of depth to the Uhura character. Oh, is this where she was fixed? She's fixing the, uh, yeah. the communications console. You see her inside, you know, the, the communications console with a tool of some kind, actually doing some uh, wiring and repair work, yeah. uh, rigging up another circuit. So I think that says a lot. I think it's really, really cool that Uhura has that kind of technical knowledge and can climb inside the console there and, yeah. and do that kind of work. I think that that speaks to the, the intelligence uh, and, and uh, capabilities that she possesses. So she's not just, you know, a, a communications officer. Yeah. She's at least a far more, at least for one more episode. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but, I think it's really cool to see yeah. that. I'm glad that um, they actually put that in there. Yeah. The, the one cool thing I really liked about that was Spock sort of rushes her along. And yep. instead of agreeing and rushing and possibly doing sloppy work, she t- stands her ground and says, listen, this is really complex work. And, if I do it wrong, I could do permanent damage to these, you know, the circuitry. Yeah, and Spock backs off. Yeah, and actually compliments her. Yeah, on her abilities, which yeah, is cool. So, yeah, and and it's funny. Uh, a lot of the smaller moments are 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 what have me still on the fence with my my vote on whether I think this is an essential episode or not. Hmm. Well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, another uh, interesting thing to note here is that Spock has been left in charge of the Enterprise. And uh, it seems he's learned a lot since the Galileo 7. Yes. He's doing a, a great job uh, yeah. of being in command. He's uh, being you know, pretty stern with his orders, but he's understanding that things take time. And But he's at the same time, he's... You know, letting people play to their own strengths. Yeah. You know, he's got Sulu doing some work. He's got Ahura doing some work. And, you know, he's he's letting everybody do their thing and contribute and being a great director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here we had sort of the the Charlie X, let's overwhelm him uh, scenario going into effect until um, the female crew member steps in. And sort of uh, throws a, a monkey wrench into their plan. Yeah, oops. You know, I thought it was kind of weird, though, is that he was so, Apollo is so quick to settle on this chick. I mean, he hasn't <laughs> even seen any of the other women on the ship yet. 
Yeah, you think he would demand a sort of a lineup? Yeah, really. I mean, it, later on, he's gonna he's gonna say, you know, he's gonna tell him to prepare to bring down the rest of the crew, and uh, they're gonna dismantle the ships to build shelters and and supplies. And he's gonna have at that point, he would have, I mean, a huge amount of women. Yeah, but I I'm not way up on my Greek mythology, but like, uh, you know, a god like Zeus, he had multiple partners true so i think apollo's just uh he's probably you know working the the numbers game and he's like hey you know line them up and i'll knock them down yeah well you know i i would feel pretty bad for her then because you know she she he, he's she's kind of like the i saw you first woman and then you know he may be tempted to to try out or sample many of the other uh oh did you see the look that she gave kirk as they faded away there yeah like that GTFO, Captain Kirk. Yeah, yeah. You know, I if, got mine. Yeah, if I'm if I'm watching this episode for the first time, I'm a I'm a little nervous for the crew. Oh, I'm definitely definitely nervous for the crew because even though she just stepped in to try to save them, you know, she's still quick to run back to his side and 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 hold his hand and go off with him. But uh, pay attention to all of these times that they go off alone together, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the. Uh, original ending of the script oh okay cool yeah some some interesting things are supposedly happening while they're off uh together doing okay cool so there's that frosted shot again with the light and her eyes are sparkling yeah yeah great stuff yeah we're getting uh apollo describing how great uh it will to, to be uh to live under his rule yeah he's gonna be a very loving guy and he's gonna give them everything they've ever wanted Minus technology. <laughs> They're going to have to herd sheep and, you know, milk and cows. And... Yeah. But he's also selling her on the idea that she'll ultimately be uh, a goddess. Yep. Yep. He's offering her this this uh, this this high position in this society he's going to put together. But, you know, the, my, you know what I question if if he's capable of, uh, you know, manifesting all this stuff and, and creating food and furniture and all of that stuff. Why does he need them to farm things? Can he just make it all appear? Like, why do they have to toil and work like that? I think that's more a ways to keep them submissive. I guess so. Yeah. Uh-oh. And she's come back on her own. Yeah. And, and uh, uh-oh. <laughs> Chekhov was asking, he's, he, oh, Chekhov just said he's 22 years old. Yeah. So that's interesting. So we have a little point of reference there. So Chekhov is 22 at this point, clearly far younger than the rest of the crew. Oh, yeah, by by probably a, a decade, with oh, the exception yeah. of this, uh, the female crew member here. So she, interesting that he let her come back on her own. And now Kirk is kind of taking her off to the side, but still well within earshot of uh, Scotty, who... Uh, we already know has a has a yeah you know, he's probably having even more of a problem now that she's in this outfit. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh man, all I could see was leg before. Now I can see the rest. Yeah, although I'm sure this is something that Scotty sort of committed to his uh, his memory banks, if you will. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so Kirk is now laying down the law to her. It's the time to yeah. come down from Mount Olympus. You got work to do. Yeah, he's basically laying out, you know, that she's a Starfleet officer here. You know, and how is she so, she's like so incredulous that, that he's asking her to actually do her job. And she says she loves him. Come on, dude. 
You've been there for half an hour. <sighs> Terrible. It is Apollo, though, in all fairness. Oh, come on, man. That doesn't make a difference. That's just terrible. <laughs> That's just terrible. But here we have Kirk planting the seeds that ultimately, um, you know, save the day at the end. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, between what he's doing now and what Spock's doing on the Enterprise, those two things add up to the day gets saved. But I think uh, it would without either half, the day wouldn't have been saved. So they, they need she need they need her to piss off Apollo, but they also need Spock to blow up that temple, which is the source of his his power. So, you know, if if, if they stayed there and Spock never blew up the temple, then uh, his power would still be more than enough to keep them there. Yeah. And I love this moment here where he asked Carolyn to grab his hand and says, you feel that this is human flesh against human flesh. Um, that is something you'll never feel with Apollo. Yep. Another, another moving Kirk speech. He's really good at these. Yeah. Really good at these. And Shatner yeah. was great at delivering these too. So convincing. Yeah. It's, it's a really great speech where he's basically, you know, spelling out that, uh, the bond between, uh, human beings, uh, is really a bond that, that can't be broken. Mm. You know, the curious thing that, that makes it into the, uh, the fan generated, sequel to this is scotty's disdain for uh apollo so oh, yeah wow. scotty's very uh very anti in the uh the sequel. and it's 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 uh it's james Dewan's son playing scotty in that uh that right. fan sequel so yeah now how far uh it's it's only supposed to be a, what a, a a couple of years yeah um yep. Between, uh, you know, okay. I was going to say that, you know, if you went 40 plus some odd years, uh, their memory of this encounter might not be as sharp. But uh, No, it's only a couple realized, of years difference. Yeah. It's supposed to be what? The, the remaining years of their five-year voyage? Yeah, well, I thought the animated series was that, yeah, but I guess... But I, uh, I think that, that, that fan series kind of dismisses the animated series. Yeah. 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 Well, I know they get into that whole canon argument again, where they, in the animated series isn't canon. But well, yeah, Roddenberry wasn't even sure if he wanted that to be canon. Yeah. Well, it's canon. I, I agree. It's canon for our purposes. It's canon. Yeah. It was broadcast on television. It's canon. <laughs> well, so was the Star Wars Holiday Special. Well, that's canon too. <laughs> well, I don't even want to get into this because there are different levels of canon in the Star Wars universe that'll. That'll make you go cross-eyed and will probably give you a yeah. severe well, headache. Let's not go Star Wars in, in our Star Trek <laughs> show. So now we're, we're back in communication with the Enterprise. So uh, Uhura's uh, work was successful. She yeah. was able to to get uh, communication back. And uh, it looks like um, Kirk is going to make a really dangerous decision here. He's going to tell Spock that uh, he has to fire the ship's phasers on that temple while they're in very close proximity to it. So, you know, potentially sacrificing himself yeah, and the, the rest of the away team to, uh, to destroy Apollo or to, to destroy his power. And I thought it was kind of funny that, you know, Kirk doesn't tell the rest of the team to, to run away from that spot. 
You yeah. know, I guess he kind of he he wants to try to 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 piss off Apollo again and uh, get him to to weaken. But you know, I, I thought that maybe he would he would be you know bold and try to do it by himself. Yeah, you know, he's usually that kind of guy where he he's going to send everybody else away to safety while he you know puts his life on the line. Yeah, I think it also boils down to ultimately that sort of wrath of Khan. You know, the needs of the the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yep. Um, not the one in this case. And, you know, Kirk's ultimate goal is to um, get the Enterprise free. And if it means the death of um, a landing party uh, or a way team. So be it. Uh, yeah, so be it. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a scary thought. Um, and it would make the idea of any time you beam down to a planet probably very, very frightening. Yeah, for sure. Oh, she's uh, doing a really good job of uh, of dumping Apollo here. Yeah, yeah. She's basically running the play that that Kirk called for her. Yep, you can see she's having trouble with it too. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, as, as as little, you know, as you know, not a lot of time went by, but right. I kind of buy that she developed some feelings for him. Yeah, I don't know. And here we go with the the great wind and lightning. Yeah, it's great for an indoor set. Great effects. And we get some really, really, this is uh, uh, the end sequence of this episode really hit uh, some emotional notes for me. Uh, And, you know, it's a combination, I think, of the the photography, the acting, the music. Um, It's just a really, really well done piece of drama. Yeah. I, and, I definitely agree. You know, and it's it's another, you know, high point for me in terms of, you know, Star Trek being able to emotionally move you. Hmm. Uh, and Scotty, once again, way too worried about her. <laughs> I mean, how quick he is to forget. Now, wait a minute here. I have a question for you. Yeah. What is Apollo doing to her here? What is he doing? Yeah, I, and I, she's fallen down. He's giving her these weird. It's like this apparition giving her weird looks. What? 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 What did he do to her? What's he doing? She's screaming. He's getting closer and closer, ominously closer. Yeah, you I'm know afraid what? of what he's doing. Oh, yeah. I don't even want to. That that's that's uh, not something that I want to think about. But I guess now is a good time to mention what the uh, original ending was. Oh, yes. In the original script. So um, in the original ending, uh, when they get back up to the ship, McCoy examines Carolyn to find out that she is pregnant. Oh, so she's she's uh, holding a demigod. Yes, she's got Apollo's child inside of her. And uh, I think there was a book, a Star Trek novel written about, uh, I think, the the grandchild. uh, So the, the, the child of the child she bears with Apollo who does have some of his powers. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty interesting so, stuff. So were we thinking at that that scene where he was he was somehow being intimate with her in a mm-hmm. uh in a in a way that satisfied the broadcast standards of the late 60s yeah i guess so i i i assume that you know while they were off you know together alone that they had some opportunities to to do some things while we Mm -hmm. weren't seeing them but uh so spock has has found a way to break through the the hand 
and as destroying the temple with the ship's phasers and here comes the big emotional finish from apollo when he realizes that uh it's over it's over his would-be subjects his would-be worshipers have uh rejected him rejected him and not only rejected him but stripped him of his powers i mean he's pretty much mortal at this point yeah it's if i had a uh, title this chapter you know uh back in the early days of dvds it was great getting a a movie because you'd have chapter titles and me and my friends would always try and guess what the chapter title would be when we were seeing the movie in theaters <laughs> and this one i would call uh the death of a god yep and uh well that begs the question who's gonna mourn for yeah. him yeah and you get some interesting stuff from kirk here too about how uh you know he doesn't kirk doesn't really feel too bad about it i mean he's a little bit but not you know mccoy feels worse than kirk yeah well i think kirk is not happy with people that sort of um abuse their their power Mm. um and it doesn't seem like you know kirk's down with that throughout the course of this series and even the movies so uh yeah yeah, it's hard for kirk i guess to feel sympathy for somebody that uh that was willing to sort of enslave them. Yeah. Uh, Kirk told him we've outgrown you. Yep. You've asked for something we can no longer give you. Now, you know what would have really sold this scene for me? Mm-hmm. A snot bubble. Oh. <laughs> A snot bubble coming out of Apollo's nose. Yeah. I think that would have really sold it yeah. for me. We do get the tear. Uh, we do. The, the slow tear, which is which is really great. And this yeah. is some this is some serious He does a great job. Some serious acting going on here. I mean, yeah, and uh, and and uh, Carolyn's even selling it as well. It 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 it's definitely high drama. Yep, and uh, he's grown again. Yeah, he's grown again. So was that a traveling mat? Is that how they did that? Yeah, yeah. It was probably you know uh, overlaying film elements and and whatnot. Yeah. That's why a lot of these times when the 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 picture gets a little less sharp. Yep, it's because they were. You know, they were working a couple generations into the negative, I think, doing all the optical work. Yeah. So he's calling out other names to calling out to the other Greek gods. So he's, he's you know, employing other names of other uh, uh, Greek gods from Earth's history. So, yeah. And he's basically going to join them, it sounds like. Yeah. So you know, he cause... wants them to take him and he's fading away. Yeah. And they have taken him. Slow clap. Yeah. Well, you know, he tried. He gave it his best. Yeah. And you know, he waited for, for people to, to get to him, and uh, he didn't really learn much in 5,000 years, but, uh, you know, I guess, I guess he tried the old methods again and didn't work. Yeah. I'll tell you this, though. He stayed in shape. He definitely did. He, he committed to whatever uh, diet and exercise routine he had maintained, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I would think 500, 700, 1,000 years into it, I would probably lose my my resolve and I, I would probably let myself go yeah i probably would too but well i think there's a gold gym just out of frame <laughs> all right so this is the end of the episode i guess it's time for us to give our essential votes mr cohen since you were on the fence uh, are you any closer now i i think so and as much as i enjoy this episode uh in a you know removed from any other star trek episode if i just look at it from you know, this is the first episode that deals with 
the crew dealing with a a godlike figure. Mm. Um, it's it's really enjoyable. It's it's a uh, an episode that I really really enjoyed watching, and I, I enjoyed talking about it. I just don't think there's enough on display here to to have this be essential for me. The only thing that really really would would weigh it towards essential for me would be that Uhura moment where she shows a little bit of technical prowess when it mm-hmm. comes to, uh, you know, performing a duty a, a above and beyond her normal communications work. But for me, I don't think there's anything here that we see that any of the other characters just, you know, don't already display in another episode that we've watched already. So mm-hmm. um, unless you convince me otherwise, I'm going to say non-essential. All right. Well, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I definitely am on the non-essential side for this. Uh, mostly the same reasons, uh, you know, very, very similar to Charlie X and Trelane. So uh, you've got the, 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 the godlike character again, or this one actually was a god of sorts. And, you know, you do have some really good Spock stuff in there. You've got that, that a little reveal about Ahura, uh, really great Kirk stuff, but, you know, I think that this episode kind of takes Scotty a step back. I, I don't think that... I, I think this is a very bizarre episode for Scotty, who's usually really cool under pressure. Yeah. And he just kind of falls apart all through this episode. Like, he can't even control himself. So, I, I don't I, I don't think this is a great episode for Scotty. And it, it almost kind of... It, it, it can... I don't want to say taints the character somewhat, but it, it it definitely paints him in a light that I don't think any other episode ever painted him in. Yeah. So uh, definitely a non-essential. So our first uh, double non-essential for season two. Yeah, and it's, and it's always hard for these because, uh, you know, some of the episodes that we deem non-essential are are really entertaining episodes. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you, you got to have some some rules. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna call an episode essential and we're, we're you know based on our own criteria that we've set up, yeah, you know obviously not every episode can be essential and you know just because we like it isn't necessarily a reason, a good enough reason in our criteria, yeah, to to call it an essential episode. So if you don't learn anything new about uh, any anything significantly new, no no villains, nothing of that nature, so uh, nothing I can really really latch on to besides that one Ohura moment. So, uh, yeah, definitely not essential, unfortunately. All right. So All I right. guess that, that brings us to the end, huh? Yes, sir. So we will be returning next week with, uh, episode 32, the changeling. And as always, you can find us on Facebook at, uh, Facebook slash the tricorder transmissions on the web at the tricorder transmissions.com and Twitter at TTT underscore pod any closing thoughts craig um no i just uh would like to uh say again that i really really enjoyed um talking this episode with you yeah it was it was a great conversation so uh, looking forward to next week's the changeling i will see you then take it easy Some behind-the-scenes trivia regarding this episode. The effects used for Apollo's leap into gianthood work pretty well. Camera angles, plus some creative...
editing along with traveling mats did the trick. Also, the gown designed for actress Leslie Parrish was so skimpy that it had to be held on with nothing more than double-faced tape. It was one of Bill Tice's more daring designs, and all of us were just wondering how long that gown would stay in place.